You are now listening to the Anxious Ambition Podcast, where you'll be hearing real people having raw, unfiltered conversations surrounding mental health. Our hope is that by listening to our stories, trials, and tribulations, that you are inspired to keep fighting your own battles with mental illness. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to our second episode of the Anxious Ambition Podcast. I'm Justin, the founder of Anxious Ambition. And I'm Chance. I work with the National Alliance of Mental Illness. All right, and today we're kind of, eventually we're going to get into our topic of anxiety and panic attacks. Uh, first of all, I kind of want to just, you know, there's something really important called the NAMI walks, and I want Chance to kind of give you guys a little insight into that. Okay, so basically for every affiliate um, for the National Alliance of Mental Illness, there's thousands of them across the nation. We have one major fundraising once a year and it's called our NAMI walk. And it's basically just, it's your average 5k free food, free entertainment. And it's kind of just a time that we get the community to come back and just celebrate mental health with us. So, um, I remember this is my second year with the national Alliance of mental illness and my first NAMI walk, I was kind of helping, you know, plan it, I wasn't the walk chair yet, but I was doing a lot. There's three. There was three people at the time in our office that was working, and uh, so there was a lot of us putting all hands on deck. And I remember just being so stressed out about it, and so concerned that it wasn't going to be perfect or that it wouldn't be good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, just your typical anxiousness about you know um, hosting an event. And I remember I got to the day of the nominee walk, and I just got to see all of Southwest Louisiana um, just come and hang out. And just leave the stigma like at the gate. Like as soon as you walked in, you were instantly free of like whatever label you had on your back, mm-hmm. whether it was, you know, depression, bipolar, schizophrenic, schizoactive, OCD, any of it was left in the car, in the parking lot. And people just got to be free. And it's it's not like your average, like come donate, do the walk. Yep. Uh, you form a team. Like we don't ask for donations from the community. We basically go to business to business to sponsor us okay. because we want our community to come out and have fun with us. But as you do walk, you usually join a team. So you become the team captain, you form a walk. Uh, another great thing about it is if you cannot make the walk physically, NAMI has incorporated a virtual walk, which is where you kind of still be able to see the day live. That's pretty cool. But like you're not there in person. But I mean, like last year we had a petting zoo a fun jump free food like everything's free like you don't pay for any of the food any of the drinks any of the entertainment like it's all free dj uh and it's really cool because you get all the like the businesses to form teams as well Mm. and it's also kind of like a health fair so around the track we do like vendors of like local nonprofits and like organizations and um health systems and health management treatment centers. So like all the hospitals, all the rehabs, all the outpatients, all that come to just celebrate this walk and give out information to the community. It's just a time to like really show what we offer and how you can have fun with this stigma like burned into your brain. Right. Kind of come there and not feel the super alone about it and kind of leave it at the door. All the shit you're going through. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. Just that's what it's there for. You know, we, I remember when I was writing the goal for this year, like the first word I I like put in my goal was just to have such a fun and freeing environment. Like I wanted people mm-hmm. to just go there and instantly feel like, 
any burden, any pressure they feel from um, the outside world, from society, from uh, social norms, all of that just completely lifted off of you. So you can just, mm-hmm. you know, be around this fellowship of people who have common, you know, trials, same as you. Um, it's a great time. I loved it. I, I, I like cried. I'm not going because I had to open yeah. it up, like introduce everyone. I don't blame you. Yes. I remember after, Pretty yeah, after I gave the mic, yeah. I, went up to my, I like went up to my boss and I was like, if you, I wish you would have like, because the whole time we were planning it, my boss was like, relax, like it's going to be good. And you know, I'm a hardcore perfectionist. I was like, mm-hmm. it's not going to be good. It's going to be great. Like fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, good no ifs, ands, or buts about yeah. it. Yeah. And it ended up being exactly what I wanted it to be. And it wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have had walked into that walk mm-hmm. and been able to leave like everything behind me and just like have fun with these people, like act a fool, just like celebrate mental illness and mental health awareness. It's a great time. So yeah, if you're listening, find your local NAMI, please attend their walk and just become part of their family because this is their time to give back to y'all more than it is for y'all to give back to us. That's awesome. So are you seriously saying that every chapter or affiliate does this as like their main fundraiser? Yes. Cool. Everyone has a NAMI walk. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> where, where does the is, money go? It goes it to helps pay for community outreach. Okay. Yeah, it goes to all of our um, classes we host, our, you know, our, our traveling to be trained, our traveling mm-hmm. because I have to travel uh, to nearby uh, larger affiliates to be trained in certain classes and programs. And uh, this is like the number one way to get the more money you can raise, the more you can offer right. to the community. And, uh, that's just the best way we have found out that we can do it. It's just something, you know, what's yeah. that phrase? If it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. So to get into today's topic about anxiety, uh, mainly, I guess, anxiety attacks and panic attacks, because those are, you know, pretty intense. Um, something we both deal with. If someone comes to NAMI, is this pretty common? People bringing it up like, you know, how do I help with my panic attacks? You know, things like that. They 100% yeah. are always coming to NAMI to ask. It's scary. Um, it's how scary do they as hell. Yeah. <clears throat> it is scary as hell. Right. It is freaking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like where I struggle with working at NAMI a little because mm-hmm. uh, I can't like, I'm not in a place to give advice. Like mm-hmm. NAMI is not right, here right. to give advice. We're only here to like, like I said, educate, support, and advocate. Mm-hmm. So like, I remember when I first started working there, um, and people would, I get so many calls a day, so many walk-ins of just people coming and pouring their heart into mine mm-hmm. and it's just like weighing down on me. And I'm just like, well, here's what we offer. Like our classes, our programs, take some literature, take some books. Like we have all these resources and, um, physical sources that like you can use to better and to understand. Cause I can't just stand in front of you and be like, oh, with anxiety, you need, you know, maybe go get on a benzo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I can't just say right. that. Like, but I can be like, like, well, here's a list of psychiatrists that mm-hmm. you can call from here and talk to. So you set up appointment. I was like, here's a list of classes. Here's a list of programs. Here's a list of um, resources that you can take home. Like whether it's videos, books, pamphlets, brochures, anything, we have it um, about. And it's a very, very wide range of information. But so at first I was always like, I felt very defeated every time someone would walk in. Um, cause I could see it in their face and be like, well, this isn't much help. Like I didn't get much help. And then yeah. they'd come to those classes and, um, they would get that help finally. And mm-hmm. I would, it's all, it's very rewarding to be in 
one of my support groups or one of my programs or one of my classes where I'm like seeing someone that came to me, you know, poured their heart out and I kind of just like gave them what I could offer without, mm-hmm. you know, lecturing to them. Right. And it's not uh, an easy topic. And them and not, coming to my classes. Right. Or an easy solution. You can't just say, hey, do this. And it's everyone's different. You know, you have to get educated because there's so many ways to calm yourself down. Some things work, some things make it worse. You know, there's triggers. There's so many, it's anxiety is not like a one size fits all thing to say the least. It's not, no, it is not at all. No mental illness is a one size fits all. Everyone experiences different uh, symptoms, Mm -hmm. which I think is terrifying as hell Mm -hmm. because like, that means like every single time there's going to be a different coping strategy, a different coping mechanism, like some kind of different treatment, but it's all proven to work. You right. just have to know what works for you. You have to know, like we've said in the first podcast, like you really have to know yourself to be able to know what's going to like work for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, technically, you know, you hear the word anxiety. And I think, I don't want to say like common folk, but you know, people maybe not, maybe don't deal with it in the disorder type manner. You know, anxiety means a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease typically about an imminent event or something with uncertain outcome. You think of that, you know, you hear that and you might only think, you know, the person gets super nervous, um, they worry all the time, but it's just so much more than that. It's the physical symptoms, it's the you know, some are just so unexplainable. Um, for me, if I'm like really anxious, you know, my chest starts to hurt and you get super dizzy, confused. You know, if you, if I just like every time that happened to me, I would think I'm having a stroke or, you know, something like that. But it, I mean, honestly, if you, if I, if I were to like call someone and be like, Oh, Hey, you know, my chest hurts. Uh, I can't really see that well. Like, well, you know, what the fuck you need to go to the hospital. So it's it's yeah no, it's just anxiety, not just anxiety, but you know what I mean. Like it's you you go get checked out and you're fine, and it's like well, next time you know, but still. So I was giving a talk, I want to say about probably like maybe eight months ago. I gave this talk um, at a high school. They invited me to come talk about mental illness, uh, and I I always started off with I'm talking to the youth like. Um, like anxiety is not getting nervous mm-hmm. before a test. Like that's anxiousness. Right. I was like, depression is not getting sad because your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you or you didn't get enough likes on your social media post or your friends are hanging out with you. Like these right. are triggers mm-hmm. 100% like feelings, of anxiety yeah. and depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you are not like you do not have depression. You do mm-hmm. not have like general anxiety disorder because you get those are Everyone experiences those. And right. like, so what anxiety looks like for me is just intense. Like, like you said, my chest hurts. Mm-hmm. Fun story. Uh, like two weeks ago, I was um, at my uncle's house and I was watching TV and my chest just instantly started. I literally thought my lungs collapsed and I was having a heart attack. And my face got super red to the point mm-hmm. where like it was burning. Like mm-hmm. my, my heart rate was racing so fast that like my face was just getting blood red and hot and, um, not in the sense where I was like blushing or like, I'm just nervous, but like right. my, I, my heart was racing so bad and my face was on fire and I, I went and grabbed, uh, you know, a cold wet, 
uh, rag and I put it on my face and I just mm-hmm. laid there and I was like, you know what? I think I'm dying. Like I didn't <laughs> think right. not for, this went on for about three hours. I hate to laugh I when never, I did there. Sorry. <laughs> I get it. No, I'd never. And I uh-huh. felt so stupid because when I realized I was in an anxiety attack, I was mm-hmm. like, what the hell? Cause I'm, I pride right. myself with noticing, like mm-hmm. I will wake up and my anxiety will be heightened and I'll be like, okay, well in the next two hours I'm going to have a full blown anxiety attack and then I'll be good for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. But this was like out of the blue. I don't, I couldn't figure out what triggered it. Nothing. I was literally just watching Shit's Creek right. on Netflix. Just like, I, it was like 2 a.m. I was just so watching like Shit's Creek. Just, She's watching it right now. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> just, oh, I love Shit's Creek. Shit's yeah, Creek's amazing. Yeah. You don't like it? It's fucking cringy. <laughs> what? Okay, I will give you. It is so cringy. I'll watch but it, but I'm not gonna not watch it. Watch. I don't it. think I've like laughed out loud at a show as hard as I have Shit's Creek, and I have watched. <laughs> I've probably rewatched it a good eight times. Like I, I love the Rose family. Um, I love Alexis and David. I love Mara. Mara is probably the funniest character on there. Uh, they just. I just love that show, but uh, and it's, it's I, you know, right. back to like mm-hmm. that anxiety attack. I was just laying there, and I was like, "What is going on? Like, mm-hmm. am I dying?" I don't remember. And then I was just like, people around you. I caught a cramp. No, I was dead ass alone. Yeah, no one classic. was out. My uncle was asleep. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I remember just thinking, like, okay, I'm like talking myself through this. Like, you're not dying. Mm-hmm. Your lungs haven't collapsed. Your heart isn't exploding. Like, you're breathing perfectly fine. Like. I had my Apple Watch on, so I was checking my heart rate. Right. Uh, and then my neck, I just got like a really bad cramp in my neck. And I realized that like, so I can always tell when I'm anxious because I'm either irritable or like my, I'm just tense. Mm-hmm. And I finally noticed that I had been so, I'd been tense for like three hours that like my neck was like cramping because it was so tired from just like being like oh, just tensed up. I get it. And as soon as I realized that my muscles were just like, they had it contracted in like two hours and relaxed. I instantly was like, I'm in a freaking anxiety attack right now. Like what the hell? And I got up and I went and took my medicine Mm -hmm. and, um, and I, I, you know, I did my coping strategies as soon as I realized what was going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I instantly was able to take care of myself and, you know, lessen the symptoms. There was still, still went on for a couple hours. I hadn't had anxiety attack that bad in a while, but the next day I was, um, having Sunday lunch with my family and I was telling my parents I was like last night was crazy I was like I think I was dying like mm-hmm. I was terrified that something was severely wrong with me um and so my mom was like well go to the hospital right. I was like no like I, right, I, right. I and she was like was it anxiety I was like yeah it was anxiety but my chest was still tight the whole next day like mm-hmm. I don't something triggered me bad yeah so I've yet to been able to figure that out and uh, and my parents were just like, let's go to the hospital. Like, we'll go to the ER right now, and like, you can get a chest X-ray. You can mm-hmm. check your get an EKG to see if everything's fine. And I was like, no, like it's like I know it's my anxiety because like I'm as soon as I was able to realize and do my coping strategies, like the worry of like what was actually happening went away. Like I was able to mm-hmm. um, personify this a- attack and kind of like little it down. It did last for a couple of days like i said my mm-hmm. chest was tight um yeah, and my heart rate really didn't so definitely it lingers yeah so i mean I, and i related that to how you were like should like like people are like go to the hospital mm-hmm. like if you called someone like if i would have called anyone right then and there they'd be like i'm calling an ambulance right, right now right. like yeah but uh 
and I didn't, I mean, I texted a couple of my friends, but like I said, it was late. Um, I was like, Hey, what's up? Just like trying to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they all responded. All my friends stayed up. But, uh, once I realized like I was actually an anxiety tech, I don't think I even responded to any of them. Cause I remember mm-hmm. the next day they're like, you didn't text back. <laughs> I was like, sorry. Right. <laughs> I was getting shit under control. But, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's so like, that's kind of like my anxiety tech. Also, most of my anxiety attacks end with me just like crying. Really? And it's always, it's always healthy to cry. Uh, yeah. Like if it's that bad, I like, so that day that I told you I came home from work and I was just like not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was mostly because I was experiencing a lot of depression and had, I hadn't seen the sun in like a week. Dude, it was, it was a, raining nonstop. It was non-stop. the gloomiest, uh, yeah. I think it was like 15 or 16 days. We didn't see the sun. It was like a record. Oh, January sucked. Yeah. Straight up. January sucked. Yeah. And I remember instantly feeling better. Like that's mm-hmm. why my friend and I went to the park uh and just like hung out on my hammock and just like chilled and talked and drank a little. But uh it was just like just to see the sun. And I, I remember it's just crazy how like so many outer things affect our mm-hmm. you know, chemistry in our body and how like January was just rough. January also felt like it lasted forever. Yeah, I've been is. seeing that all over social media. That's not my joke. Mm-hmm. I don't have the rights to that joke. But um, so yeah, anxiety just looks different, and I, I, there's a lot of beauty in that to me because um, the more different it looks, mm-hmm. easier you can catch. It. Like right. it can't hide. I think too, it's like the first time that happens to you. I don't want to say it gets easier. I think it becomes easier is not the way to say it, but like, okay, if, if that happened to you the first time you had an anxiety attack, you probably would have went to the ER, you know, hundred percent, hundred Um, I, I went to the ER one time. So I was on Lexapro for a long time and I was feeling pretty numbed up and I was, it was coming up to my, my wedding was probably couple months away it was always in the back of my head that i didn't want to be on something at my wedding i'm not knocking anyone that has but i was so numb that i didn't really want to feel that flat you know i always kind of pictured myself you know crying when she walks down the aisle you know the motions of it um so it was probably two three months before the wedding i got off my medication lexapro i tapered off but um getting off stuff is still uh pretty intense. Your anxiety goes, shoots way up. Depression usually comes back pretty hard. Um, just like it takes four to six weeks to kind of work. Usually it takes the same amount for me to level out. So I was off my medication and then I had my bachelor party, which consisted of 48 hours of binge drinking. Um, nice. as you probably know, if you hung hangovers are terrible for your anxiety. <laughs> Usually ends oh, with some sure. type of even a mild anxiety attack or something. So that was probably the most hungover I've ever been, combined with being out with or withdrawing from a medication. And then, so we kind of I started having a couple of panic attacks uh, in a, a couple of days in a row. And then we were living with my in-laws at the time, and my father-in-law actually had found out he had a blood clot. So he went to the hospital. They found out he had a heart attack, or had the clot. Took care of it. So now, of course, I get chest pains. And so I'm, you know, I worked from home at the time. So I was at the at their house and I'm working. It's like three days straight. My chest is just super cramped. 
you know, has like that, that the pain. Um, of course, the more anxious you get, you start feeling more sensations that probably aren't even there. You know, you start feeling lightheaded, your arm starts tingling. So I was like, I wasn't going to take any risks because of what happened to my father-in-law. So it just added to it. It made it worse and worse. And so I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to go to the hospital. Um, my brother-in-law ended up taking me. And it was such a surreal thing because when I mm-hmm. got there and he started doing all the tests, it was almost like a sense of calmness. Like I was almost, it sounds weird, but you almost hoped that they found something or to kind of give me a reassurance of what was happening. But when they're like, oh, you know, it's just anxiety. And I was like, it was good and bad. You know, you get this sense of relief, like, okay, you're okay. But then it's like, then why, why was my heart hurting or, you know, what feels like that probably just your chest cramping, but it was such a surreal thing. But then ever since then, you know, even though, you know, it was an ER visit and it's obviously not cheap or anything like that, but you get this, like right now, even like last couple of days, um, my chest has been kind of cramping, but I know that my heart is healthy now. I had the AKG, mm-hmm. I did that. They did the test. So even though I still get those sensations, you know, I'm able to be like, hey, you've been checked, you know that you're okay, kind of lets it just, you know, you kind of just ride out, ride the wave. I don't know if you ever heard that saying, but people say like ride the wave when you're dealing with anxiety, <laughs> easier said than done, but so. Oh, for sure, easier said than done. Oh, hell yeah. Everything <laughs> with anxiety is, you know, it's like, oh, just do this or do that. But so yeah, that was my ER visit and it was pretty, it's pretty surreal, just kind of you know, you hear people like about going to the ER all the time for panic attacks and I just never went and I finally went one time and it was actually kind of a, kind of a relief, you know, because you, you, people have health anxiety. That's definitely a thing. You know, those sensations happen and you start Googling what it is and you're basically just means you're dying or have cancer or brain cancer. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're, it's you're, like, yeah, you're fucking seek dying. a doctor immediately. Yeah. Every yeah. time you can't, you can't Google my chest hurts. You know, you're going to. It's going to say call 911 immediately. So um, have you ever been to the ER for it? Mm-mm. No. But I did um, back in December. I was experiencing a lot of chest pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the time where I was jeweling a lot. And um, <laughs> I just got I just got off my jewel. Jesus Christ. I was still experiencing. Pop, popcorn lung, dude. I literally thought I went to the doctor uh, I, I called my family uh, practitioner and I went to the doctor in kinder and I was like, I think I have a mysterious long illness and I think I will be part of the statistics of the stupid idiots yep. that are dying the from vape vaping. And uh, my doctor was like, okay, well then let's get you over to the hospital to mm-hmm. run some x-rays. But the whole time she was like, your lungs sound amazing. She was like, uh, you 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 have so much oxygen because she checked my oxygen, she checked my heart rate, everything. Mm-hmm. She was like, "You're perfect." Um, she was like, "You're really good." And she was like, "But I'll still do that for you." So I did my uh, blood work, like exam, CT, X-ray, all that good shit, mm-hmm. and um, it came back completely clear. She was like, "Everything's <laughs> fine," and then right. she was like, "Chance, like, you're just very anxious," and uh, and it, that was the time that I had. My therapist at the time was trans um, transferring to another um, company, 
Mm-hmm. So I kind of went like a month and a half without seeing her from like every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So not that like that's needed for me because right. I have a lot of friends um, and I go to, I host a lot of support groups and a lot of programs that calls me. You talk a lot, yeah. Yeah, I have to talk about what's going mm-hmm. on as well as everyone else. Right. So I didn't really need that. But I guess it just like, I don't know, as soon as I saw my therapist, I told her that and I was like, hey, look. I was like, my anxiety has been heightened. And uh, and so I, I definitely can feel what you're saying now that like when I do have those extreme chest pains and uh, I realize that it's my anxiety, I can like fall back on like, well, all your stuff came back clear, good, mm-hmm. positive, you're healthy, uh, don't worry about it. But um, I haven't actually had to go to the ER for it. But I mean, I know plenty of people that have. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. I know it's it's scary. It's so scary. It is literally terrifying. Yeah, I think yeah, I think the only reason really I went it was, you know, because I got those feelings for five six years. Mm-hmm. And it was just like oh, you always kind of think in the back of your mind like you know is it this is it this you know all these things and it was just gets to the point where I'm like you know what I'm gonna bite the bullet go to the hospital like I didn't think I was dying you know it was just kind of like all right, I'm gonna get if I go to the ER I know they're gonna check me for all these things because I'm gonna walk in there and say I have chest pains they're gonna be like okay so yeah it was yeah it's, it's, it's a weird thing again it doesn't make it easier it just makes it a little more manageable well we're not professionals when it comes to giving advice on this stuff but just kind of we want to talk about our experience I mean what maybe what you know what helps you when you you know, every attack is kind of different, but you know, what helps you, you talk about medication, um, maybe some coping mechanisms. So, um, the medication I take for my anxiety is called hydroxyzine. It's just a simple, um, antihistamine mm-hmm. and it's literally, my doctor described it as Benadryl. Right. Right. Uh, and I, um, didn't want a benzo. I didn't want any like hard, uh, affecting anxiety drugs because, mm-hmm. I've had I have some really good help uh, healthy coping mechanisms that you know I basically survive with uh, mm-hmm. make it through the days with but I do love that medicine um, I don't take it every time I have anxiety or an anxiety attack but I do take it when I don't have the time to do all those coping strategies and right. dedicate so much time to you making sure that I'm okay sometimes. yeah you yeah. yeah. I mean, I work two jobs, mm-hmm. so like I don't have a lot of time for me to right. be able to do those anymore. But uh, so I do I do love my medicine, but it's very small uh, dosage. So I take mm-hmm. like one and I'm good. Uh, and it's kind of take as you need. It's not like take in the morning. Uh, yeah. So it goes everywhere with me. It stays in my book sack. But some of the coping strategies that I heavily rely on is I journal. Uh, Same. Well, I used to journal religiously. I was very avid journaler, but now I've kind of since I moved back to Louisiana, uh, I kind of slacked off with that because I have a roommate. So like, um, which kind of sucks because I literally just heard myself like saying, oh, "I just put it all on him," but I don't. <laughs> uh, it just when I was living by myself for almost ten months in Texas, I I picked up journaling because um, I've I've journaled a lot with like. Uh, like my faith and uh, so I was super Catholic growing up and in, uh, in college. Mm. I mean, I still am Catholic. Don't get me wrong. I love Catholicism, but um, I don't put as much time as I need, should into it. Uh, and that's where I used to journal a lot. And I just, so it's natural for me to journal, but uh, my coping mechanism is I have this one best friend. Uh, 
I don't rely completely on this coping mechanism. It's just a plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also suffers with mental illness, and uh, she, I mean, she doesn't suffer with mental illness. She has um, experienced depression before uh, and she anxiety. She but yeah, she understands it. She's also, mm-hmm. I mean, she's going to be a social worker, and uh, has this other friend who's going to be a counselor. So, like, these friends I like heavily. The one friend that's going to be a social worker is Brooke. Um, her and I kind of make it a point to we call each other at least three times a day or more than that. Jesus. And we stay on the phone with each other for uh, a good amount of time. Our work schedules are very similar. Um, and also we hang out a lot in person. But every single time we call, we don't call just like you know gossip, talk about mm-hmm. what happened. We like first check in. Um, the other day she called cool. and I was with my family and I picked up and she was like, how are you? How are you feeling? And mm-hmm. how's your health? And that's all she said. And when I hung up the phone, my mom just looked at me. She's like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Like, why is Brooke asking about your mental health? Like, what's right, going on? Right, and I'm like, right. that's just us. I was like, we check in on each other. Um, we do things for each other to have, like, mental health days. Like, we take the time apart to do what brings us a lot of peace mm-hmm. with our mental um, health. So, like, she was the one that I went just chilled at the park in a hammock with for about six hours and just – you know, we listened to music and we just mm-hmm. decompressed. We saw the sun for the first time in like two weeks. Right. So she is always a great coping mechanism for me. But there is a lot that I don't put on her because mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of a person right. being my coping mechanism. Because yeah, hard. And not reliable, everyone has unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Because right. everyone has their own stuff they go through. Mm-hmm. So the other things I use, I love music. Um, you can usually catch me singing. I can't sing well um, at all. But I'm constantly always singing or I'm constantly always listening to music just for that that freedom of not being in my own mind, mm-hmm. of not being in my own thoughts. I get distraction. Uh, when I was in yeah. college, when I was in college and I first started experiencing very intense anxiety and panic attacks uh, to the point where like I would like be so overwhelmed with emotion, I just start crying. And I'm, I'm a pretty emotional person. Like I'm not mm-hmm. afraid to show my emotion. Yeah, and you, but shouldn't, you shouldn't be. I yeah, but I can right. hold it. I usually hold it together till I'm alone. And this was like, I, get I would have to like yeah. get on my stomach, like put my headphones in and just like put my face in the pillow and just like listen to the music. And I would have to like, I would breathe to the beats and just like breathe to the like, just like, okay, listen to the music and just like breathe like to the music. That's cool. And uh, that. that's how I was coping. That's cool. Yeah, that's how I was coping for a very long time before I knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, this was like my sophomore year of college. Okay. Uh, so, and I didn't find out about all this till my senior year. So, um, that isn't a huge one. Uh, I also like to be like, I'm, I don't want to say like I'm adventurous and I'm outside a lot because I do love my PlayStation four and I do love Netflix, mm-hmm. but, um, you can pretty much catch me in a hammock at all times. If the sun's out, um, in the woods yeah, just or just near some trees. My wife knows that I want a like, hammock, even in the apartment, I want one on the porch. There's oh, a couple I love people hammocks. that have oh. them on the fucking on the porch. Their hammocks are amazing. I love my Eno. God, I love my Eno so much. But um, not, it's not an I ad. Also, it's not an ad. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just kidding. Emo, please. Eno, please, please, please sponsor us. Yeah, I could take that. Um, I would use a hammock. Oh, for sure. That was the best purchase of my life. My freshman year, I bought it. Uh, so that's one of my Copernicus. Okay. It's just going to And usually I'll journal or like I'll mm-hmm. read in my hammock. I have the time uh and these are all the things that i do when i have free time like but uh when i was in college these were things that i did constantly yeah um i'm also very 
extroverted, so I'm always around people, uh, always with my group of friends. So that's not really a coping strategy. It's just kind of a great mechanism that I'm provided with because of my personality that mm-hmm. I'm not stuck at home in my oh, feelings. Absolutely. Uh, another one is counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use that uh, mostly for my depression because uh, counseling I can really get into you know my feelings and like not feel judged at all right uh so there's some things that's you just a don't huge... want to talk to other people about you might... yeah because yeah. if you do they're gonna get like scared and yeah right yeah so exactly i mean there's nothing wrong with that that just shows that that person loves you immensely mm-hmm. uh you don't need to put that on people sometimes but, yeah right. you know so that's what i'm saying like right people are great to have Mm-hmm. And but like you just can't have people. I hate when I have people in my uh, support groups and they're like, "Oh, my 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 wife or my husband. That's my coping mechanism." And I'm like, "No." I was like, "That's your support system. Right. That's the person that you can talk it. to when you need to." Mm-hmm. I was like, "But that is not the person you're going to rely on when you're in the middle of anxiety attack." I was like, "Because you're going to wear that person thin," mm-hmm. and that happens a lot. Uh, and they're not always but, there. I mean, I mean, you're not. Yeah. Just, They're not always there. That is one hundred percent true. You have to have, and that's not their fault. Multiple coping mechanisms. You do, and you have to find out what works for you. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like I love my PlayStation. I play a lot of video games. Well, when I get the chance, mm-hmm. I don't play as much as my roommate does. He loves video games, but uh, I do love TV. I love, 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 love. Um, just anything like theater and TV wise. So like. I can get, I'm a huge empath. So like I can watch Mm -hmm. TV series and movies and get like adjusted and like love the characters. And I remember my, my first therapist was like, that's not a coping strategy. Just sitting in front of the TV and binging a Netflix series. I was like, are you sure? Because it sure does feel like a coping strategy. (laughs) Like it works for me. Right. Um, so I have to really be careful with that because there's some days where I'm like, yeah, right. There's some days I'm just like, I don't want to hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. I just want to come home and watch TV. And I know that that can be a, like, that can be a huge sign of spiraling for me because right. um, I'm, that's causing myself to be isolated. But a huge thing that I love, because I, I will isolate myself very easily, mm-hmm. but I live with my best friend, so I can't isolate myself at all, which I'm so freaking thankful for. Right. Um, because, like I said, living with someone, like I'm not putting anything on Khalil, but like, just being in complete, like, just present with mm-hmm. your friend or, like, it's just as good as, like, you know, doing some journaling, some exercising. I mm-hmm. wish exercising was my coping strategy. Uh, 100%. You change, change that. Oh, yeah. We're going to change that for yeah, sure. Good. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Jour- journaling, you bring up journaling is a good one. Um, I don't really do it if I'm having an attack. But more like every so you you brought up you know you used to journal that's kind of how it always is it's it has to be in like your ritual or a habit or like I just I just don't do it you know I went like a year I did every day you take like a week off and then you just don't do it for a couple like a couple months or so I've been doing it as soon as I wake up in the morning before I open my phone mm-hmm. I'll go I write what I'm grateful for. Um, and then I write um, just some goals, again, present tense, more like law of attraction type stuff. We don't need to get into that today. Sure, but we love the yeah, law of attraction. Yeah, like law of attraction type stuff. And then I'll write about like my the, my previous day. So if there's something that's on my mind, something that 
you know, maybe how I felt like right now, you know, I'm on medication. So I'll write how, how I felt the day before, um, just things like that. And it's a good way to just decompress before you start your day. Um, you know, it's hard for me to like write and some people like right before bed, you know, I'm just trying to like go to bed. So I'll just do it in the morning. You know, um, all the doctors that say, you know, keep track of how you're feeling on your medicine. It's like, well, in the moment, if I'm feeling like shit, I'm not just going to like pull out my journal and write it down. Or sometimes you just can't, you know, if I'm at work or something like that. And you might just embellish how, you, how you're feeling. So it's like you wake up from the next day, feel a little more, you know, feel a little calmer. And you can actually address it with a clearer mind. Um, but if you are feeling anxious, you know, grabbing your journal and writing that stuff down and getting it out of your head, super helpful too. You know, you might be stressed. You might have a lot of shit that you have to do. And if you're, you know, trying to organize it in your mind, you know, you have to be a pretty special person to keep everything organized in your head. So writing it down, giving yourself a list of all the things you need to do, that's another helpful thing. If I'm, another thing, I like to box breathe. Have you heard of box breathing? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Breathing is a huge coping strategy. Yeah, it's, um the one I do is called box breathing and it's like, um, Basically, you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, and then breathe out for four seconds, then you hold it again for four seconds. And uh, it's just a super easy way to do some deep breathing. You can do it in public, you know, without looking like a buffoon, you know, looking just like like an idiot, you know. You know, sometimes you don't want, I mean, if we're anxious, you kind of want to be discreet about things. So, um, so yeah, that's one thing. Uh, I like doing just some meditation in general. If I can, like, if I'm at home, uh, if I can get a couple minutes to myself, I'll do some meditation. Um, along, do that breathing, close my eyes, and just kind of let my thoughts go where they want to. And you do that for you know 20 minutes if you can, and it definitely calms me down. Um, there's a lot of things. I mean, basically, you know, call it like the anxiety toolbox. I don't know if you've, you've heard that phrase, but you know. I take med- I take a daily medication, not, um, and yeah, that helps me, but it's just part of the toolbox, you know, the breathing, the journaling, it, one thing is not going to cure it all or not going to make it super easy. Um, you need to work at it in so many different angles and just, and like you said, there's, you know, there's coping mechanisms like you brought up TV, you know, YouTube for me is like my TV. You know, I, if I'm anxious, you know, I can watch a video, distract myself, but it can definitely get out of hand. You know, if I'm, um, maybe there's something that's really anxiety provoking. Maybe it's just something I need to do. Maybe it's something I'm avoiding. Um, you sit there and you just keep watching. You're not even watching. You're just fucking, you know, staring at a screen, distracting your, distracting yeah. yourself. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you're just sitting there trying to find something to watch that'll distract you. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm aware of it. I think, you know, you are too. You said you brought TV. You know, it's great to escape once in a while, but being aware that you can't take it to the extreme. Um, you brought up medication, like, for attacks. I've I've been prescribed things like benzos, um, Xanax, and uh, also gabapentin. Just to be honest, I've never taken them. Mm-hmm. I've told my doctors that I have an addictive personality, and they give me basically narcotic so um yeah not saying like again i i get it people take them i just know i couldn't handle it so i don't um i'll actually take 
magnesium. Like as soon as I, if I, if I have it on hand, I take like, I've got these calm, these gummies that I take. Yes. Keep, I keep them with me. Um, take a couple of them. You can find those on Amazon, natural vitality, calm. Your local Walgreens. Yeah. Anywhere. Honestly, like it, if anyone ever mentions that they're dealing with anxiety, the first thing I tell them to do is, you know, try taking some magnesium. 75% of Americans are deficient. It's it's crazy for sure. Yeah, so even if you're not, I like yeah, it, it's gonna help. And if you if you're someone that gets anxious, you deplete your magnesium even more. So like, yeah. it, that's something I would try if you want to go a little more natural route before you kind of try some of the more of the drugs and stuff like that. My coping strategies that I just listed, um, or I don't know why, mm-hmm. they're mostly for my depression. Mm-hmm. Um. And when you started listing yours, I was like, well, we do a lot of the same things. My breathing, mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't thinking of coping strategies like in the sense of in the middle of an attack, just something that I do to better my day to keep away from anxiousness. More pre- yeah, preventative stuff. Yeah. But like my coping strategies for when I'm in an attack mm-hmm. is definitely music, uh, breathing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm just feeling very anxious and I can't rely on like being able to go outside and getting some sunshine or like, um, and when I journal, like just like you said, Mm-hmm. I don't I journal because so there's my brain never stops like mm-hmm. I'm constantly thinking right. and Same. constantly thinking like everything about everything and sometimes it's not even bad things yeah, it's just good bad I think random. a lot yeah and so I'm a very external person that likes to process externally I love to be able to sit in front of someone and just give my heart and hear their heart mm-hmm. um so when I realize that that's not feasible like ever in life like it's right. great to build relationships around because it's needed but it's not something you can rely on I, that's when i journal because i know like so i think i write down these thoughts and i i process them and i go back mm-hmm. uh, when i do when i am on top of my journaling i'll journal for one day what i thought if it was a bad day and then the next day i'll go over those thoughts and i'll process them with myself because if i don't i will be stuck in my mind for hours at a time mm-hmm. And that will trigger an anxiety attack. But another thing, Absolutely. when I'm feeling very anxious and uh, I know I can't just sit in the TV, in front of the TV and just like binge out or yeah. like call up my family to see what they're doing or my friends and I can't go like outside and chill in my hammock and read or just relax, I clean. Um, there's nothing greater for your mental health than cleaning just because it's the idea of That's satisfaction. Good. So yeah, it's I like do, a task I do that too and I kind of hate it. cleaning, but I totally understand and do the same thing like there was yeah i just there's a lot of times where on my off days mm-hmm. i've been working all week and i'll finally have an off day and i just feel like crap because i mean i've been so stressed not nami doesn't stress me out at all but it's just um it's i take yeah. i listen to a lot yeah mm-hmm. i listen to a lot of people's uh trauma and i love that i think it's beautiful i think i have a heart that can take it but at the same time i'm human Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't know how to put boundaries, and sometimes I take home what people have said, and it, yep. it weighs on me. Um, and that usually triggers my depression. Or, and so I'll use those days off to just like, well, I don't do it often. Like my roommate's probably gonna hear this and be like, yeah, that dude up, don't clean. Clean this place. <laughs> um, I'll like clean, and then like I'll instantly feel just like so much peace because I'll be like, okay, it'll give me more motivation, mm-hmm. and it'll give me more like sense of. Um, like you can complete a task because there's nothing better than completing a task and completing a task well. Right. But other than that, like I don't take vitamins. I do have some vitamins. I know they work. Um, I know where to get them. Uh, but I suck 
at taking medicine religiously. <laughs> like I'm yeah. telling you, my brain is constantly everywhere. It's not, it's it's not where I can remember to wake up and take my medicine all the time because it doesn't work like that. Uh, so I wish I was more prudent with taking my mm-hmm. uh, vitamins um, because I know they help tremendously. Right. But breathing is a huge coping mechanism for me, and mm-hmm. I teach a class called Peer, and one of our like. So it's like an eight-week course. Well, it's actually 10, but uh, we were able to get it down to eight weeks, not lose any other material. Um, that one whole class is talking about breathing and learning how to do breathing exercises mm-hmm. and uh, what that does for you. So I was hanging out with a couple of friends not too long ago, like a week ago, and I was in the middle of an anxiety attack. And I'm mm-hmm. very good at having anxiety attacks. Yeah. And <laughs> I wasn't that night. And my friend just looked at me. He was like, you're breathing a lot. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get shit under control over here. So I like, <laughs> it's because, you know, I'm just like taking right. full deep breaths. And then mm-hmm. they're just like, what are you doing? Like, we're just, we're watching a movie. Like, why are you breathing like that? Are you okay? Right. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm trying to calm, you know, myself. Yeah. And because there's, so there's this show called Euphoria. It's right. on HBO. Uh, it's not G-rated, so I'm not trying to promote it. It's a beautiful show if you the want to watch it. Watch it. I love it. <laughs> it's not G-rated. It's yes. on HBO. What do you expect? But um, there's a scene when the main character is Zendaya. Uh, her name is Rue Bennett on the show. Uh, she is explaining to one of her friends, Fezco. Spoiler uh, alert. No, no spoiler alert <laughs> at all. It's just a beautiful scene. Okay. And she basically is saying how... Uh, how like when she was little she stopped she would stop breathing jesus and uh triggered she was like but it was all like figurative yeah like she didn't she did stop breathing but it was all because she was triggered by her mental illness and how she was like you don't understand how every time i would breathe out and there'd be no oxygen in my body i remember when she said this i cried i was watching alone she's like every time i would take a deep breath out Mm -hmm. and there'd be no oxygen in my body nothing would be pumping to my brain like everything would be still she was and she says that would always be the best moment, and then I'd breathe back in, and it all it all come back. And wow. so, like breathing does take such a strong like. Mm-hmm. It is so important to be able to control your breathing and to be able to calm your body by breathing because, like she said, for like when you breathe out, your body is calm, like it's stopped, like it's it's achieved what it needed to do for that one second, and then you know you mm-hmm. you you got to take another breath or you're gonna die. Right. <laughs> But and then like you breathe back in and it's all over again and then you can breathe out and it's just like I loved that scene because those two seconds she's basically saying like those two seconds are the reason why I hold on every single time like just knowing that like this is temporary Mm -hmm. knowing that like with every breath out like I will feel better but with every breath in I'm not going to feel okay again but there's always there's always going to be those two seconds Mm -hmm. and I kind of took that as like I would rather two seconds than no seconds of like freedom if it even if it comes with you know feeling immense immense distraught mm-hmm. but it gives you little breaks you know gives you it does breaks it up and then you'll slowly kind of get back into you know a, get out of that fight or flight state and I mean, it takes a while but that's crazy man well that was kind of sad but <laughs> That show is so sad. Y'all should really watch it. What's it called? Euphoria. Euphoria. It has a Euphoria. It's all about mental illness. Um, It's basically Degrassi, but on HBO. (laughs) So don't let your kids watch it. So (laughs) old. 
I really advise you it's to be better like than 21 or older. Oh, no, nothing. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Shit's Creek is amazing, but God. two different kind of genres. Like, this is comedy. This is extreme drama. I mean, drama. But it's so good. It's amazing. So do you have any, like, your first memorable attack or kind of maybe one that's, you know, stands out? I know I talked about my one going to the ER, but do you have one that kind of... Maybe you were younger, kind of something memorable. Uh, yes. So, like, the first time I really experienced um, extreme anxiety, I was going to be a sophomore in high school. Nope, mm-hmm. I lied to you. I was going to be a freshman in high school. And I had a bad dream. And I woke up, and there was a pit in my stomach, like, that I could not eat. I could not function. I kind of just wanted to cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and back then, I did not cry. Like, I didn't start crying until I got to college. Uh, Damn. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so... has shit. <laughs> I mean, I'd cry, like, if I got hurt or... I, but, like, I, I, just, saying, I just right? didn't cry. Right. Yeah, like, I didn't cry. And uh, so I remember I woke up and my parents instantly knew something was off because I was not leaving my room. Uh, and it was just, like, my hands were... My palms were so sweaty. Like, I remember I couldn't even hold on to anything. I was playing Infamous 2 on my PlayStation 3. And like, I could <laughs> barely hold on to my controller because my hands were sweating so bad. And the only reason I was playing the game was because, like, the pit in my stomach was forming, like, very intense thoughts in my mind. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, like, harmful thoughts. They were just very negative thoughts that you shouldn't have as a freshman in high school. Um, about, like, life, about myself, about, like, you know the earth just stupid shit that did not need to be in my mind at that Mm -hmm. time uh but it was there racing and every single time i would give any inclination to allow that thought to prosper that did not make sense anytime i would give that thought a chance to like blossom uh i would that pit in my stomach would intense to the point where i like i'd literally curl over and like grab my stomach my heart rate would race so finally i told my mom and i told my dad um well i told my mom first and then I remember my dad was like, what's wrong, bub? Like, something's off with you. Like, it, it went on for like a good month, like on and off. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor and they gave me Adderall. Adderall, ladies and gents. They said I was just ADD. Dumb. <laughs> and so after that, uh, it went away. But it would come back, that pit mm-hmm. in my stomach. And the, you know, the sweating and the heart racing and the um, racing thoughts, just all that intense intensity to have at such a young age when you can't even process emotion Mm -hmm. so after that i was able to understand when that would happen i'd instantly just like run to just be in the company of someone because back then i didn't have the freedom i do now to like hop in my car and drive to the park or you know walk down the road just i mean i was a freshman in high school it was pretty limited on what i could do right so my playstation was the only thing yeah yeah. And so that was like my first, I don't even want to say it was my attack. That was my first about mm-hmm. things. I, my first attack came when I was just moved into my apartment in Lake Charles. Um, something was very wrong. Uh, I had been feeling a lot of like, like my chest was very tight. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I thought I just needed to cry. Like I thought something was wrong. Like, and I was like, maybe up, I just need yeah. to cry. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I felt like everything was bottled up and it was about to explode. And then it did explode. <laughs> and I remember I was sitting in my car right outside of my apartment just crying my eyes out because I could not get a hold 
it controlled my body. I could not stop shaking. Um, I could not stop like my heart was racing and my hands were sweating. Like my chest was aching. I literally, I did not know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting in my car, just sobbing in the parking lot at Palme. And finally I just, I just texted my mom. It was like 4 a.m. I was like, hey, I'm coming home for the night. And um, I just drove home. Yeah. I was scared the shit out of it. Her mm-hmm. and my dad were up waiting like in the carport. They're like, what's going on? Right. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they were able to like calm me down and just, you know, I was back in my old room that I grew up in. So like I was able to just center myself because that's what it felt like. I was floating. When I'm anxious, it's, I always feel like someone else is in my body. Like I'm there too. Like there's something else taking control. Yeah, like there's two of me. Like when I'm in an anxiety attack, there's one feeling the pain of the anxiety attack, and there's that other half of me having to keep calm and carry on throughout my day. Because, like, I understand that. Yeah. At the beginning of my anxiety attacks would just come at night, like right before bed, um, or like right when things were settling down. And that's when, after that first attack, I drove home and I talked to my parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just kind of helped me through it. They, like, talked me through it. And my mom was very quick to be like, I think you're having an anxiety attack. Like, you're... And that's when I realized, like, I wasn't processing my emotions externally. Mm-hmm. And I started journaling a lot. But um, after that, I would have those uh, attacks a lot in college. I think it was because I was nonstop during the day. So when I'd get home and my mm-hmm. body would finally relax, it would hit. Now it just my body's never relaxed so it hits constantly whenever yeah. it wants um and so that's when i started learning to like in the middle of anxiety attack you know just face down to in a pillow where I, like i could still breathe but just like listening to music everything's blurred out just mm-hmm. focus on the lyrics focus on the beats just breathe and i would always be able to calm myself you know slow my heart rate you know the, the anxiousness never leaves mm-hmm. and the anxiety attack is you still feel off you still feel like something the world's going to crash around you, but you know, well, the it's draining too. It's yeah. You know, they linger. So draining. Oh yeah. It put me on my ass after anxiety attack. Mm-hmm. Best sleep. But, um, <laughs> so I highly recommend. that was like one of the <laughs> highly recommend anxiety attacks coming to a pharmacy near you. Yeah. But those were like my first memorable attacks. Mm-hmm. Now they're, they're basic and I can, I can, I can tell you when an anxiety attack is coming on. Yeah. I'd be like, don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. Shit's about to go down. <laughs> my- I need a couple minutes to myself. I don't remember like you talked about like as a kid. I don't really remember specifically. I always had that pit in my stomach feeling as a kid. So maybe it was just always being depressed or anxious. It's kind of hard to pinpoint it. Um, almost like that sense of guilt, even though you're not guilty for doing anything. That kind of that kind of pit. But um, mm-hmm. when I first started, like, I remember getting like these attacks. Which looking back now, I think they're attacks. Were in college when I was uh, smoking a lot of weed. You know, if you get, like, I would get, like, that chest, that chest feeling. And I remember talking to a, a buddy, his sister was a nurse, and she's like, I mean, you're just, like, getting cramps. Like, it's not, you're fine, blah, blah, blah. And I would still, it's like, every time, like, I would be, like, holding my side, um, like, after we smoked. And it was, there were, like, many attacks constantly. You know, and sometimes you get, you know, a strain that you like, and you don't, get really anxious but when you're buying it off the kid nice down, indica yeah when you're buying it from the kid down the <laughs> down the hall you don't really get a pick so yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> but uh that's all good after college um when i wasn't i wasn't doing anything i wasn't smoking or anything i was i was actually working as a personal trainer and sometimes in one-on-one situations with a stranger 
I always felt like kind of, you know, just antsy and anxious. Um, it was at this time I was drinking a lot of caffeine. Um, -hmm. I was taking a fat burner, which if you don't know, is pretty much just, first of all, fat burners don't burn fat. I'll tell you right now, it pretty much just, it pretty much just knocks your appetite completely out. So you don't eat as much basically, you know, just put it out there. So obviously I was under eating. I was Mm -hmm. super stimulated and I was actually in a consultation, which is like a one-on-one, uh, in our office, in my office. And I remember I started getting like those feelings. I was really hungry. So my blood sugar, I mean, this is me like looking back, you know, it's like my blood sugar dropped, obviously getting more anxious. I was stimulated on caffeine and probably some artificial stimulants. And then, you know, I started getting woozy, dizzy, hot, you know, and luckily, you know, this woman who I still talk to her once in a while, um, Patty, shout out Patty. And I like, shout out Patty. Yeah, I like had to get out of the room. I I was I was trying to sell her. I was trying to sell her like a package, and I like had to excuse myself. I think I just told her like I had something in my eye. Um, that's a good. <laughs> if you're looking for a way to get out of like talking to someone without saying like, oh, I gotta shit, like, I'm gonna shit my pants. You know what I mean? Like you gotta go to the bathroom. Just be like, hey, you got something in your eye. You can go to the bathroom and kind of calm down. Dude, not not a bad school, trick. I huh? like, yeah. My contacts messing yeah, up, yeah. and I, I don't wear contacts. And I would just go to the bathroom to like duck off. I still use that to this day. It works because you can't tell someone. It does no. work. Like, no, you need to sit down and suffer with your eye problem. But it's not embarrassing because <laughs> you're not like, oh, I'm gonna shit my pants. Yeah. So I For remember, sure. I like left the room, came back, and then I, you know, she was super, she was super sweet, and she's like, you know, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm just not feeling well. I haven't eaten lunch. Blah blah. blah. Long story short, so. I, she left. She ended up being one of my favorite clients. She actually did become a client. Um, but that was like the longest panic attack that I've had in memory. Um, I actually didn't even, I had to go home, but I couldn't drive home. You know, I couldn't, I felt like mm-hmm. I couldn't drive. And the place I worked actually had a smart car. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a smart car. I have seen a smart car. Okay. Um, if you don't know, I'm a Louisiana, but I've yeah. seen a smart car. <laughs> I am six foot six, six foot seven on a good Giant. day. Yeah. And so on a good day. <laughs> yeah. It depends. How, it depends how my posture is. <laughs> so my manager actually drove me home in the smart car and, uh, Yikes. then I'm pretty sure I haven't, I haven't drank caffeine really since <laughs> that was probably five, six years ago. Um, so like for that one, it wasn't really like anything emotional, like a worry trigger. You know, sometimes it could be mm-hmm. yeah, some stimuli, like a, you know, something external and maybe something is like minorly stressful, but because you have all these compound things like your blood sugar dropping, um, you know, a stimulant, maybe some other substances or you're dehydrated, they make you even more sensitive to having those attacks, at least for me. So, um, just one thing I'll throw out there. If you do, if you do get anxiety attacks a lot and you drink coffee, I would consider, you know, consider, you know, try cutting it out and see how you feel because there's a lot of people that, you know, you may not feel anxious right away, but caffeine has like a half-life of like eight hours. So even if you don't feel that buzz, it shit lingers. And, um, you know, a lot of people, yeah, it's eventually you'll be fine waking up. You know, I get up at like four or five in the morning I don't have trouble getting up after time. Yeah. 
I'm not like seeing it to glow. I'm saying this because I don't have to, like wake up and chug coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. I, uh, okay. So the most caffeine I drink from a beverage will be sweet tea. I love yeah, three tea. That's the Southern enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I will destroy a Dr. Pepper every now and then, but Dude, I mostly that's drink what I, water. That's what I miss the most. Truthfully, Dr. Peppers. Truthfully. If I, I'll have I like one, I have like one a year. Drink it really fast and just have like a, you know, feel like shit for a couple hours. But, dude, they, they do make caffeine-free Dr. Pepper. I did, my but you best can't find it. And you can't find it. Oh, what? It's like, dude, it's like 30 bucks a case on Amazon. No, my best friend is pregnant and she, I don't I don't think I've ever seen her drink a sip of water. Uh, <laughs> but she only drinks Dr. Pepper. And the other day she like Snapchat me and she was like, holy shit, dude, they have caffeine free Dr. Peppers. Fuck. And I was like, I need to find that out here. I mean, I haven't had a Dr. Pepper in like four months. I'm good with my, my bottle of Dasani water. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I do drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the only healthy thing I do for my body <laughs> is drink water. Uh, <laughs> But so that's a caffeine point. does. No, yeah. seriously, caffeine affects everything. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps up like our anxiety talk. You know, we've been talking for like an, over an hour. So let's kind of just get into how we're going to end our episode. Which is going to be our, would you rather? Or would you rather? Yeah, just something off topic and kind of give you a break from the anxiety talk. So, what's the first question? All right. So, Justin, would you rather know how you will die or when you will die? Ooh. I would have to do when you will die. Reason being, I do, if I knew how, I would be like thinking about it all the time. Like if it, well, let's say you were like, oh, you're going to slip and fall in the shower. You shower every day. You'd be like, <laughs> it would be hell. Every day, would, every day would be hell. And being people that deal with anxiety, that's the last thing I need. So if I had to pick, it would be like when. Every day is already hell for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> but like yeah you know what i mean all right what, what's the next one okay would you rather be a millionaire by winning the lottery or by working 100 hours a week how do you do that truthfully this is an easy one for me i would not want to win the lottery like ever i know it sounds weird but i, I have this like i don't want to work 100 hours but i also um there's something it's probably me you know it's an ego thing but i've always you know if someone just like handed me a bunch of money you know there's things i want to do in my life things i want to buy um and i think if it was just like handed to me like that for one i think people would not take me seriously people you know whether it's in business or just an overall success you know if it takes me longer to get something so be it i want i want to earn it i think that's part of the you know buying something I don't think would give you the same feeling as, you know, just earning, you know, earning it and then buying it that way. I mean, don't get me wrong. Winning the lottery would be cool, but I'd rather earn my money. Sorry if you you don't, but. I I would love to win the lottery. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I get it. Couldn't catch me. (laughs) I get it. I mean, I already do. uh, With having two jobs, I do manage a lot of hours a week, but um, no, please sign me up for the lottery any day. Um, I am not prideful when it comes to money, mostly because I'm the baby of my family. So I have had things given to me my whole life. I know I sound like a very white hey, privileged male. I'm sorry. But, um, 
that's just how the cookie crumbled for me. Yeah, I get uh, it. So there is no shame in my game when it comes to give it, be given money because uh, money is artificial. And so, True. but it's it's thing that you like. Honestly, I hate when people are like, "Money can't buy you happiness." Well, and Being actuality, poor. Karen, it yeah. can because. Yeah. If I had money, I wouldn't be stressed about financial situations or anything like that. It right. wouldn't bring me happiness, but it'd make life a whole lot fucking easier. See, that's uh, exactly. So I would definitely, definitely pick the lottery. I get it. <laughs> All right. Would you rather live in an amusement park or a zoo? Okay. I'm going to get real, real quick. I don't like zoos. Amen, I don't, brother. I can't fathom the fact I'm so of glad catching you said a that. wild freaking animal out of their natural home and habitat and putting them in a cage for us to look at and enjoy. Thank I've God been to a lot of zoos, but I don't like them at all. I don't mm-hmm. like SeaWorld. I don't like any of that shit. Shut it down. If I ever became president. Yeah. Oh, it's like a ha- like the habitat and the bullshit. No, 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 absolutely not. There is a tiger. Well, he's not anymore, <laughs> but there was a tiger on the way to Baton Rouge that just chilled at a gas station stop. Jesus. Now there's a kangaroo. They have a kangaroo. The tiger died. So they got a kangaroo. Oh. Um, fuck they're doing. Yeah. But just like if you had to, you know how much animals run a day? Like even with some of the big dogs, like big dogs, like you have to like sometimes bring them to the, like, you know, those running machines mm-hmm. because animals require so much. They have so much energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not down yeah. for a zoo. Me either. And you couldn't catch me living in a zoo either. Unless all those animals were free to roam and hang out with me, yeah, you'd, you'd be uh, toast. So I guess I live in the toast. <laughs> I feel like I hope they would like respect me, like they yeah. respected Noah. Talk to him like Doctor like, Doolittle. Free jaw. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd have to pick amusement park too. I, I'd have yeah, to. I'm, for every single reason you said about zoos, I had that same diatribe ready to go if you didn't say it. So, <laughs> no, yeah. seriously, you ever watched the documentary Black, Blackfish? No, and I, know, I, I I don't think I will. Well, it's not necessarily. I know, I know what it is. About, yeah, I just don't need to see it. I, I totally get it. All right, last question: Would you rather experience the beginning of planet Earth or the end of planet Earth? The beginning for sure, because um, I'm pretty sure we're already experiencing the end. Uh, <laughs> oh. Thanks, climate control. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I would definitely want to experience the beginning of planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, for multiple reasons, I would definitely experience it so I could slap that apple out of Eve's hand. Um, so we'd never have to struggle again in our lives. Uh, but other than that, I would definitely want to experience it because, I mean, it's the beginning of Earth. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want the dinosaurs, that. I can tell you that. I'd yeah. have to live somewhere other than the dinosaurs. I'm definitely afraid of dinosaurs. Well, you don't have but, to live there. You just experience it. Oh, for sure then. I would experience it every single time. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. I think it would be the amount of answers you would get from the beginning of the planet Earth. Um, for so many answers. There's so, so many answers. It, it may destroy. So it may, many answers. It may destroy or confirm a lot of religions. Sorry. I was really about to say. But seeing the beginning of the planet Earth would be... I don't think you could debate that. The end, end of the planet... I don't need to know how it's going to end. No, it, doesn't, it, does, it doesn't benefit me at all if you're showing me the end. So, I don't want to be here when it ends, by the way. Right. Uh, also, I would love to be able to see the sun created. Like, to yeah. be able to see the beginning of Earth. To be able to see like all the planets and 
and I mean, I would assume, you know, if we're getting historically correct, <laughs> right. you know, right. Earth was all connected in Pangea. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I would definitely love to be able to just experience like all continents connected and just like one flat, flat Earth. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I think that wraps it up. You know, Till next time. Yeah. Thanks for talking about all your anxiety and panic attacks i think everyone really appreciates our openness and vulnerability and telling stories and i guarantee someone out there is going to be like oh man i experienced some of the same stuff and i also want to thank you for sharing your uh, struggle when it comes to mental illness mostly because uh empathy is a huge thing that is needed when mental health uh so like yeah subscribe listen tell us your thoughts share your stories with us mm-hmm. justin and i want to hear what y'all go through because I can guarantee you we can relate. Absolutely. So. Yeah. If there's anything you guys want us to talk about, you know, uh, I would say go on the Instagram. It's the anxious ambition. One word, you know, follow, send me a DM. You know, if you have any ideas, if you want something, if you want us to talk about something in particular, you know, eventually we do want to have some guests on here. So if you have any guests you want to hear us talk to, you know, hear their stories, I mean, we want to get people on here because we all have different stories that, you know, someone can relate to, even if I can't or chance can't, someone will. And, um, that's what we're here to do. Just bring you some camaraderie and community around anxiety, depression, any other mental illnesses. And we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this episode.